This is Marcia Stonehill with Melty Ice. Today on Operation Flow, I have with me two healthcare providers. First, let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Vivine Pierce McDaniel. She is the chair of the Virginia Nurses Association and Foundation Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Council. She is a professor of nursing at Aspen University School of Nursing and an ambassador in diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant for James Madison University School of Nursing. <clears throat> Next, I have Dr. Billy Abdi. She is the senior practice manager for CVS Health Minute Clinic in the Washington, D.C. and part of Northern, part of Northern Virginia areas. Dr. McDaniel, Dr. Abdi, thank you so much for being with us on Operation Flow today. Please share with our listeners why you decided to join us. Well, hello. I'm happy to be here, and uh, thank you for that warm welcome. And please call me Vivine. And I am here, uh, first of all, Happy Nurses Week. I actually celebrated for a month, so Happy Nurses Month. And um, I'm here because I would love to talk to you about some exciting things um, and some things that maybe will be um, uh, result in difficult conversation. But I would like for Dr. Appy to say hello first and then I will come back and talk to you. Thank you so much, Vivian. And, and Marcia, thanks for having us. Uh, um on uh, your podcast, um, and then I, I share this Happy Nurses Week, Happy Nurses Month, to all the uh, nurses in our nation uh, supporting and advancing um, healthcare uh, delivery, um, and uh, and certainly please address me as Billy as well. Well, thank you, Billy and Vivine. Uh, one thing I realized I didn't mention in the introduction is that the two of you serve on the Virginia Nurses Foundation Board of Trustees, correct? Yes. And that's how the two of you met. Did I understand that yes. correctly, too? Yes. Yeah. So, um, Vivine, I think you said that you have some things, especially in honor of Nurses Week, that you want to be able to share and say. Yes, today is a very special day to me. Um, it's May 7th, and I wasn't going to mention it, but I must. So today is uh, one of my favorite aunt's birthday, and she has passed on. And it's also my grandmother's birthday, May 7th, and my dear cousin, um, John Flowers, who died from COVID uh, earlier this year, um, a, a day before my birthday in January mm. but but this is also the birthday of Mary Eliza Mahoney and Mary Eliza Mahoney born May 7th 1845 was the first African-American nurse to graduate from nursing school in the United States and that was in 1879 and many of us know about Florence Nightingale um, and all that she accomplished and all of her accomplishments and we know her as the mother of nursing, the founder of nursing practice. But I always like to um, talk about the contributions of black nurses. Uh, one is that I, I think I 
I was a, uh, a speaker earlier this week, and I explored the two lives of these women. And they were two women from two different worlds. They both wanted to become nurses, and they indeed became nurses. One was a white woman born into privilege to affluent British parents, and the other one, Mary Eliza Mahoney, a black woman, most likely born in, in obscurity in the Dorchester area, Massachusetts, from, um, and I used to live there. Um, her parents were freed slaves from the South, and the mere hue of her skin and her assigned race predetermined her destiny, but she was determined. And so I think about the fact that um, Florence Nightingale was a woman born into privilege. And, uh, and you know, she became famous because of all of her contributions during the Crimean War. But uh, Mary Eliza Mahoney I never knew anything about her until I was a nurse for 10 years. So it, it's, you know, she's not in, in, in nursing books that I um, used when I was in nursing. So I always like to, to um, bring that to everyone's attention. And as well, uh, another person who, was at, who participated uh, and helped the soldiers and cured many of them in the Crimean War was Mary Grant Seacall. And um, although she was not, she did not uh, obtain a nursing education the traditional way um, from a nursing school, she was a huge contributor to nursing. And we look at her as a nurse. And she paid her way to go to Crimea to care for these soldiers. And um, in her book, she says that she went to Florence Nightingale, but Florence Nightingale kind of um, dismissed her. So I always like to let people know uh, real history. Absolutely. We, you know, we are in a day and an age where we're acknowledging these things more boldly. We're being more forthright with revealing uh, the broader truth of what people actually experience so that we're not living inside of denial, right? Or or that's how I see it. So I really appreciate you sharing these things because I remember, you know, when I went through nursing school, much like you, Vivine, you know, the emphasis was on uh, Florence Nightingale and not that, uh, not to detract from that emphasis, but we do need to learn the broader picture as well. Yes. And there are many more, um, nursing pioneers, African-American nursing pioneers that made tremendous strides in nursing and, and paved the way for us to become the nurses that we are today. Absolutely. Well, and there's many contributions inside the medical field at large. Uh, there's lists and lists, and it's it's you know with the blood bank, with cardiac surgery, just so many contributions to the medical field. And uh, hopefully, we will do better inside of our systems uh, as we're educating 
our youth, you know, now or young adults mm-hmm. now that are going into the field, hopefully the education will be more broad and include these uh, more expansive realities. Oh, absolutely. We, we would need to rewrite textbooks, <clears throat> that's for sure. And, and you know, it's not just um, uh, from the school systems, it's really how do we address uh, inequality um, today, not just from um, um, the school systems, but really all across organizations. Everybody has uh, to uh, attribute and exam um, the current needs in our world today. So organizations are, should be also held uh, just as responsible as schools are to address racism and inequality. Absolutely. Um, And I do, you know, we see this happening to a certain degree and then in other ways it seems to be quieting down a little bit. And I do, this is one beautiful thing about the nursing profession, I think. I think that, you know, we, we are a group of individuals that, uh, We'll stick to seeing something all the way through, you know, making sure that what needs to be addressed gets properly and fully addressed. And uh, clearly it was with the George Floyd incident that there's a huge turning point and opportunity to continue to make sure that Uh, Like you said, Billy, that uh, corporations and even civic groups, churches, uh, every organization, you know, is expanding their knowledge and their awareness of what does it, what does diversity mean? What does equity mean? You know, what does inclusivity mean? Uh, Looking at our biases very honestly, recognizing, especially as white people, that we are truly indoctrinated with bias, and uh, it may not be our individual fault that that bias is there, but it is our individual responsibility to put our defenses down and uh, be open to learning and understanding on a deeper level so that we can have a a positive connectivity and uh, make the necessary changes that's good for good for all of us. Yeah, Masha, um, I, I think that as a society, we have made something normal that should never have been normal. And that's kind of what you're um, talking about. So I totally agree with you. You know, uh, talk about each individual playing a role. And it made me think about a story with this um, conversations um, um, I was having um, a few months back with the George Floyd movement that you know took place across the nation, and um, it was interesting conversations um, to have with neighbors and friends and colleagues, um, and understand what this movement is about. The first step uh, I found with my conversations is. If people can understand that there is uh, systemic uh, uh, injustice, uh, racism, inequality, uh, just understand that the problem does exist, uh, then it's really easy to move uh, forward towards step two and three, how to unpack those layers and how to address it. Um, 
And so at least for me personally, I could share um, those conversations with my neighbors who were very interesting. Um, some that knew me uh, and my family would say, but this would not happen to you, Billy. This would not happen to you or your family because we know you. Um, versus others would say, oh, you know, we're not U.S. citizens or citizens, and, and rather would just take the, the position to just step back and say, this doesn't concern us. Um, and so it was very interesting conversations. And and my, uh, um, my ask for everybody listening to this is, this does not uh, involve whether you're a U.S. citizen or not. This does not involve whether you're um, uh, of color, uh, you know, individual of color or not. Everybody as a human being uh, has to uh, participate in this call for action and address this and not have that unconscious bias of saying, but your family is not George Floyd or Breonna Taylor or Ahmed Arbery, but rather understand that incidents that, uh, you know, uh, um, um, injustices happen all around us. And we have to understand that the problem does exist. So, Billy, what did you offer? What kind of um, information did you offer, or should I say education, did you offer um, your, your friends and neighbors about uh, what they what they how, how they perceive this oh yeah um, you know uh, Vivian that was something um, we wanted to speak with neighbors without uh, and colleagues and friends without uh, being defensive without taking this into argumentative but just to understand that the problem what the problem was and so to the question when I got that we know your family we have to play that reverse role what if it was your family what if it was your son? What if it was your daughter? Uh, what if our kids were together and, and they explored this? And that's where I think, uh, you know, uh, for us and our neighbors, uh, the problem became visible. That that, that, that conversation became meaningful um, is when we had it over social events, you know, with, with the uh, um, um, conversation we could be over happy hour just an unease conversation it's very informal mm-hmm. and having that education has helped with where are we today those of you you know that are you know um, of uh, diplomats and foreigners that are here that are not US citizens it does involve you mm-hmm. you're here you, you purchased a house you've got this nice job but who made this possible for us is uh, our history and we have to address that. And now knowing that social injustice is coming and, uh, you know, the, it's visible in the protest, uh, it made it meaningful for my immediate neighbors and friends and colleagues to understand and say, okay, and what can we do now? There's a lot to do. You can educate others. You can uh, support, uh, join committees, join um, subgroups to advance um, um you know, even corporate voices, initiatives, to a, uh, workforce initiatives and programs um, to support um, the communities. Absolutely, because some of the some of the people they have their own businesses, and um, you know, and they just never thought about this. So having that conversation that you had with them may have um, inspired them to put in place 
something in their at their work for their um, workers or their employees rather. Um, so you never know who you're going to impact when you have these conversations. And the key is not to be afraid to have the conversation. And and that's one of the things that I love about Masha. She first of all she has this platform. And um, secondly, she's not afraid to jump in and just um, say, call it what it is. And so, Masha, what what do you find to be the most challenging? Um, what what's the most challenging for you when you're trying to have a conversation with other um, people? Uh, you know that both people that look like you and people who do not. Yeah, it's interesting. It, it's really easy to uh, live inside this denial or live inside this picture that gets painted that uh, when you're talking about, you know, Billy, about this could be your son, right? Or people are saying, well, this would never happen to you because the picture that's been painted is that the people that it's happening to, well, they're, they're bad people, they're criminals, you know, they're, <clears throat> they were, they were getting into things they shouldn't have been getting into, or they just were not listening to the police. You know, there's, there's all this story that gets created. And so we really do, the more I have embarked on my own awakening and looking outside of my own experience and digging deep and looking really hard and then the more you start to try to have these conversations, notice I said try to have these conversations, you realize that there's a lot of resistance to even having the conversation. And the thing that's the most interesting is that people typically respond very defensively uh, initially, or what I'm experiencing is that people um, kind of flood you with their opinion and their perception and what they think will fix the situation but do not invite any type of dialogue. You know, they're not interested in a dialogue. They just are dumping their perspective, their opinion, which is clearly from their their own experience and not from a broader experience, right? Mm -hmm. And then the uh, other experience I'm experiencing often is uh, an absolute avoidance. Uh, my my husband has a marina, you know, so people will see me and they'll say, how's the marina? <laughs> yeah. So just not even going there, you know, they're not going to ask how my projects are going or what's happening with the projects that I'm working on, but just let, let's stay in the safe zone. Let's just talk about the marina, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah. People, we do have a long way to go. I've always said, you know, I don't know how we're ever going to talk about this until we learn how to talk to each other. 
you know, being a psychiatric nurse practitioner, I know how broken communication is just inside family systems and inside of very personal relationships. And uh, so we have a lot of learning and growing as far as just how to have a conversation how to open our minds to uh, different perspectives and how to respect those perspectives and to not project onto other people or to not insist that, no, that's not the way it is. This is the way it is. You know, really letting go of those defenses and being able to learn and recognizing, you know, I think that's been the biggest thing, Vivine, is just you know, in, in previous podcasts, we've talked about cultural humility. It's mm-hmm. it's really recognizing, wow, oh my gosh, there is so much I've got to learn. There's so much that I did not know. I had no idea. And that's what's right. meant. That's what's meant by the privilege, right? You know, I didn't have mm-hmm. to know these things because it didn't affect my life. Right, and, and and my husband and I were talking about um, the talk um, this morning, actually, and and I was saying to him, um, "Do you remember our parents or grandparents having the talk with us when we were children?" And um, he said, "Well, I'm sure it." they had it but I couldn't re- I couldn't remember them having it but I certainly remember having it with my grandchildren uh, you know because and and sure enough it it um, played out because my grandson and one of his friends who by the way went directly from high school into a nursing program I'm so excited about that <laughs> he's a, a male, he's going to be a male nurse but um, they they were riding in a car and and the police stopped them and um, you know and was accusing him of something that he didn't do and then the same thing with uh, another friend of mine a, a colleague um, Debbie Outlaw who's a nurse and she doesn't mind me sharing with her that her sons were stopped um, pulled over and um, I can't remember if she said they had them on their knees or, or wherever, but um, they, they were looking for some people who had uh, committed some crime. And if she had not come on the scene, I don't know what would have happened to um, her son and his friend. You know, I, I mean, that, that whole racial pro- profiling and, and yeah, and all of that, that just doesn't happen if you are, um, uh, if you're white. Uh, I, I'm not saying that there are not situations where something can occur. I'm just saying that it doesn't happen like it happens with people of color and black people. And it's because, you know, oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead, Marsha. No, Billy, please, you go ahead. <laughs> Uh, Vivine, when you spoke about that, one thing came to mind, uh, and it's just uh, a while back I had shared with you this. Um, uh, Marsha, to keep you, to give you the background, um, uh, at CVS Health Minute Clinic, we, you know, we do COVID testing, and we have our um, NPs, PAs, uh, uh, LVNs, RNs 
uh, um, can call in, for, can give patients their results and telephonically to give it to give them their results. We were supporting a virtual um, location in uh, Charlottesville, Virginia, and one of my uh, colleague, a nurse practitioner, was calling the results, and um, and the, the the person on the other end detected that there was an accident. And uh, before the patient was even, uh, you know, before the NP was even trying to identify the patient by phone, um, the patient said, call me back when you have an American on the phone and hanged up on the nurse practitioner. Um, And the NP was surprised because, uh, in fact, the conversation was, I don't speak to Indians. Call me back when you have an American on the phone. Wow. Typically called out Indians. And in reality, this NP was not even from India, was confused what was happening, and was surprised. Mm-hmm. So, Zavin, when you talk about, you know, uh, profiling, you know, seeing even somebody in person, this is even happening today in 2021 by mm-hmm. telephone. Yeah. A professional conversation for the, for the benefit of the individual where we were calling to give results. Yeah, based on their accent. Exactly. You know, and it's it's ridiculous that it's still happening. And it's been happening, but it's ridiculous. It seems as though someone asked me the question um, during my um, presentation, um, do you think that um, it's, it, racism is more prevalent now than it was before, or do you think it's probably because, um, you know, you have media and um, and and it can spread around quickly. And I'll say that, <laughs> I'll say that um, I think that we have made some strides, but um, it is still very prevalent. And I can't, you know, I can't answer as to whether it's more so now than it was before, but I can assure you that it still exists. And until we sit down, and have conversations and not feel guilt. You know, this is not about making someone feel guilty or feel bad for what their ancestors did to people. It's about um, moving forward, you know, um, you know, upward and onward. That's what it's about. So until we can sit down and have these conversations without people getting upset or without uh, shouting at one another and, um, you know, making the other person feel bad, I don't, I don't see us getting anywhere. Yeah. I really appreciate you saying that, Vivine, because there's definitely, you know, people from all walks of life that will say, what are we talking about this for? Why do we need to keep talking about this? Leave the past in the past. We got to move forward. And, you know, and then of course, inside my field, oh, don't put that psycho babble on me, whatever, you know, it's, it's, you know, and then the other thing I've heard some people say too is, you know, black people already know this stuff you know, and perhaps don't want to talk about it because it's triggering because it's been so painful, right? So how do we find that balance? Or I guess let's use this podcast to say it's not about rehashing the past per se. It is about educating 
ourselves so that we can continue to make the appropriate progress that needs to be made. Well, let me interject. How is it in the past if it's still happening? Well, and the reason... It's not in the past. Well, and... They're not lynching people by hanging them from trees now. They're putting their knee on their neck um, for... uh, nine minutes and 46 seconds or however long it was until they stopped breathing well so 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 it's not in the past and like you said the the phone call that happened just the discrimination because of a different accent right that was recent right within what the last six months right billy but see this is part of the education this is part of the education if i can speak into this as a white woman Mm -hmm. so this is part of the education i feel like what i see as part of the defense mechanism and part of the avoidance is people automatically jump to this conclusion you know they fall back into the 400 years they forget about the jim crow era and then completely minimize and dismiss the events that are currently happening so as part of my awakening, it was critical that I connected the dots that things happen to people that I'm talking to on the phone with right now. Things happen to people that I can sit and have coffee with, that I am working beside of, that that people that I've had coffee with experienced segregation and the Jim Crow era and the horrors of it. Because the the public education system and the fact that we haven't had these conversations left me thinking that these things happened so, so, so many years ago, right? Mm-hmm. That it... it, it it uh, allowed that denial and and that confusion, I guess I would say, you know, so that's why I'm saying it's critical that we we and when I'm saying we in this moment, I'm saying we the the people who are not affected by these things, white people, we need to listen listen and learn we need to understand that there's mountains of things that we don't know because we have not experienced it and if we do stay stay silent when we see people doing things like like if we witnessed that phone call if we were sitting Mm -hmm. beside the person that said such a horrible thing you know to not address that you know to not start uh, educating and uh, speaking into these things that are unacceptable. You know, why are we uh, a people that allows bullies to continue to be bullies? You know what I mean? I, I yeah. Why are people so afraid of confronting these situations or calling people out on it and especially if these people that are doing these things are in leadership positions why do we allow why do we allow that and and this is the point of democracy right you know yeah yeah 
I think that is a great subject for a future podcast, Masha. Which part? (laughs) (laughs) All that you just said (laughs) is a great subject for a future podcast because it would take probably (laughs) at least 45 minutes to address that. Well, then let's, uh, will you ladies please come back for a future podcast so that we can address that? I feel like it's critical for us to make any headway. I would definitely be back. What about you, Billy? I certainly would because we still have a lot to address and unpack from, you know, we've, we've addressed that there is a problem and now what are those sub-segments of those problems? And that can go a lot from socioeconomic status to education to access to healthcare, um, multiple um, um, uh, segments that we can dive into, absolutely. And I actually came across some strategies that I can present, but I, I just saw them uh, late last night and did not know that we would have this uh, discussion. So what I will do is I will bring those some of those strategies of how you can have the conversation. Um, I will bring them back to the next podcast. How's that? That sounds wonderful. So uh, listeners, please uh, look ahead for uh, more conversations with uh, Vivine and Billy, otherwise Dr. McDaniel and Dr. Abdi. And I thank you so much for being with us today. And uh, we look forward to having you back on Operation Flow. Oh, I look forward to it. I love our time together, Marsha. Thank you, Vivian. Thank you so much, Marsha. Happy Mother's Day. Be there to all of you as well. Yes, happy Mother's Day. Thank you.